catching the narrative in a middle portion just bring out for us uh, uh, some declarative thought so Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel and Elijah came unto all the people and said how long halt ye between two opinions if the Lord be God follow him But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Jesus' name. God bless you and you may be seated. Mount Carmel is 1,700 feet above sea level. I've been there several times. It's perched in a place which casts a view to the long north side ridge of the Jezreel Valley. Isaiah, Manasseh, and Solomon will speak of it. It will be featured as a monumental place. It's a mountain garden. Our historical accounting will offer a few images of this place, probably because there is one standout moment which shields most all the other accounts. The nation of Israel has experienced multiple droughts over the last several decades But none serve as the moment when Elijah spoke and by the authority of the omnipotent God sent the entire nation into a season of despair. He closed up the heavens. We know that when the armies fail and the kings drift from God's law, when the provisions of the Lord sours and his commandments are rejected, we know that the prophet was always the last line of defense. Elijah looked over the land. He saw the repeated pattern of sin and degradation. The leaders, the king and the queen, Ahab and Jezebel, they reached deep into the catalog of crime and murder. They killed the righteous or even anyone who might oppose them. There was no depth of debauchery that Jezebel could not reach. She was the distortion of an out-of-order marriage and deluded authority. She embodied a matriarchal leadership, which has never been in the plan of God. It's something that I see today on a regular basis, even in the church. The people also followed her and followed him in some way. They did not just succumb to her whim, but they too built high places and groves and idols. Even though their history was filled with God's wonders and healings and provisions, still they turned against God. And to this, Elijah commanded the heavens to cease giving its rain. The dry season was long. It waded into the fall and winter. It swallowed up whatever spring they might have hoped for. It offered no reprieve from the summer sun. Dry, famine, judgment... We're now in the scripture in the third year of this famine when God speaks to Elijah and says, 
Go present yourself to King Ahab. The call went forward and on that notable mountain stood Elijah and then Ahab and then 450 prophets of Baal and another 400 prophets of Jezebel's table. And then came the people, as many as could climb up and gather around. Here and now is the scene cast. It was not for the king that this was done. That's not why they gathered. He was too weak anyway. It was not for a witness to those 450 prophets of Baal or the 400 prophets of Jezebel's table, all of which were abhorrent and wicked. Think with me now, ladies and gentlemen. The flesh was there and demonic spirits presented themselves. But the prophet of God also stood up and false prophets against him. It was an intersection of heaven and hell. It was the combination of light and darkness Truth and a lie. All of it in a standoff of unspeakable proportions. The moment of the nation rested on that mountain. And that moment was not determined by just a man or some incident, but a multiplicity of things. The moment was not to determine who was evil or who was good. It was not to expose the immorality of the king or the vileness of those purveyors of wickedness. No. The moment was set for the sake of the people. It was going to be the people that decided. They had a chance to declare themselves, but instead of saying so, they stayed silent. Instead of taking a stand and announcing who they were and what they believed, they said nothing. They answered not a word. And Elijah called them out by saying, how long will you waver, halt, pause between two opinions? If Baal is God, follow that, follow that God. But if Jehovah is God, then follow him. And to that Nothing, not a word, not a sound, no rapport, no echo, no shouting out, Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim is God. No, they answered not a word. And because Elijah is given no response, he then presents a challenge. He says, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And finally, the people of Israel says, well, that that sounds like a fair test. We'll wait and see. In a more expanded form, the people said, Let's put it to the test. These are the called out people. These are the people whose history is filled with deliverance, numerous miracles and provisions. God has repeatedly provided for them over and over again. He has given them words of prophecy, all of which came to pass. None of the Lord's words ever failed or fell to the ground. God has proven his power in all things concerning them and him and yet They are willing to stay silent only to reply that they would like to just wait and see. Let's see if this works out. I'll join it later if it comes to pass. Just take your hand, casually turn back the pages of the Bible, and you'll find the wonders in the book. Enemies were scattered among them. Rivers of water flowing from flint rocks. The immovable crumbling before their eyes. The pages of their own history is filled with the impossible. God delivered them more times than they could count. He healed them and provided for them more times than they deserved. He protected them from the enemies which would have devoured them. They walked through, think of this, on dry ground. Talk about the parted waters if you will. Talk about how the, how the enemy was scattered or drowned. But for a moment, just think about walking through on dry ground. 
that the omniscient would not only part the waters and then cover the enemy, but the very water that had been saturated for centuries of time from the beginning of creation, he, he made the ground dry. Because when he leads you through, he doesn't just lead you through a mire or a mess or a clay, but he'll dry out the ground. He'll make it easy for his people. I hope you don't forget that when the Lord brought you out and he brought you in, he made a path. You didn't have to die. You didn't have to suffer, but he made dry ground. He made it so you could just walk in the promises of God. Here's what your Bible says. He's made an escape for everybody. And the way of salvation is so easy. Here's a scripture. Not even a fool could err therein. <laughs> and yet none of them could stand and say, he is the Lord, God Almighty. They just sat still and folded their arms and said, we'll wait for the show. No affirmation, no confirmation, no identification of themselves. How long will you stay silent? How long will you sit there and waver between two ideas? If the God of this world is your God, say it. But if Yahweh is your God, then you should say so. But not a word. Maybe it was the drought itself. You know, the striving every day to get some food and some grain. Or perhaps the lot of them had just grown cold and indifferent. Because they lived in an era with a monarch bent on promoting idols and false gods. A government that corrupted their spirits. Hmm. Sounds like the day I'm living in. Changing every vernacular and changing everything that's holy and everything that's good they're calling evil. And everything that's evil they're calling good. That's the day you're living in. That's the day you're raising your babies and your children. Promoting division everywhere. I'm going to tell you, this is not the place of division. This is the place of unity. There's only one heaven and we're all going to the same place. I hope you're going to the same place. They lived in an era where this prophetic word would lay idle. They would not even confirm that they were in fact the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not a word. God's prophet sent the drought. God's man closed the gathering clouds. And Ahab knew what had happened. That's why upon seeing Elijah, Ahab said, Look, is that you, troublemaker of Israel? He that troubleth Israel? Elijah said, I didn't cause the trouble. You did, Ahab. You and your father's house did this. Read in your Bible. You forsook the commandments of the Lord. You're the one that followed Baal. Ahab wasn't the only one who understood what had happened there. The people knew what happened. They all knew the story. They all knew who closed up the skies. And yet, when they gathered atop Mount Carmel, no one said a thing. They just watched Elijah. And he said, how long are you going to sit there between two opinions? How long? Halt. Silent. Idle. How long? They should have cried out at that very moment. Some, someone should have stood up and said, there's only one God. He's the God of Israel. Someone should have stood up and said on the right side or the left or the back. They should have said, Jehovah Nisi, my God is my refuge. 
Someone should have said Jehovah Jireh. God will provide for us. Someone should have said Jehovah Rapha. God heals us. Always he heals us. Someone should have said Jehovah Shalom. He is the God that brings us peace. Someone should have said Jehovah Raha. God our way our shepherd. Someone should have said Jehovah said canoe. God is our righteous. Someone should have said Jehovah Shema. God is present. Someone should have said, he is the I am that I am. And whatever I need, he's the I am. But, but not a word. But not a word. Silence. You can hear the dust gathering in the wind. Shaking leaf blowing. Resting against a little pebble. Someone, however, should have said he's the way maker. Oh, prophet of God, he's the deliverer of our soul. Someone should have said he's the God of David. He is our refuge and our strength. But they said nothing, not a word, silence, halt, no reply. They just looked at Elijah, drought, famine, no grass, no wheat, no fruit. All the crops dried up, all the rivers and streams reduced to dust. Perhaps some muddy shallows yet still cracked by the sun. And the word came to me that history, ladies and gentlemen, is not enough. It won't keep everybody. The goodness of God often is clouded by the current culture. All of a sudden, we're swallowed up by the current conflict of our day. And past miracles, oh, I can't believe it, past miracles. And yet, people still walk away, never say a word. Because yesterday's victories are too soon forgotten. Blessings vanish, and in their place come complaints. And after complaints come division. Until eventually, all the people drift off to complacency. When Elijah finally offered a challenge, their only reply was, sounds good, let's put him to the test. As if the same God who brought them out suddenly had to prove himself to them again. Really? After all of that? And now he, he's got to prove himself? It's more than just disheartening, it's outrageous! The very people whom God delivered would have the audacity to hold their voice and not answer a word. He did not need to answer by fire, ladies and gentlemen. He was the God of all time and space. He was the creator of the elements of water, fire, wind, vapor, smoke, earth, sky, all of it. They should have clapped and danced and locked arms and twirled. They should have kicked at their feet and sang songs of Miriam. But they just sat there and they said nothing, not a word. And to silence came the challenge. And all of us get caught up in the challenge. And yes, I love it. We love the God who answers by fire. We are thrilled to see the wonders of the almighty God. But the fire, ladies and gentlemen, will eventually fade. And to date... God has never consumed a visible manifestation, a fire upon a sacrifice. It happened one time. And the thrill will eventually dissipate. And the word came to me that too many are speaking when they ought to remain silent. And too few are silent. And too many are silent when they ought to be shouting. Has the Lord been good to anybody here? 
ask somebody, who's the God of your life? My spirit's been in turmoil and praying and seeking God and all the things. <laughs> and I need an answer from the Lord. I tried to be specific in my prayer until the Lord finally spoke to me and said, just declare me. Just say who I am. Because <laughs> my prayers are inept. I don't, ever get, I don't always get to the right prayer. I want to be specific. And if I can, I will. But there are times when I, my words are failing me. And I, and I don't really know what to say. And sometimes mixed into my prayer is my own anger. My discontent. Sometimes in my prayer, I, I kind of be like David. You know, if you read David a little bit, he even said things I don't think he probably should have said. He just said, Lord, my enemies are around me. Kill them. <laughs> Go read your Bible. I just, I can't stand them, Lord. They're after me. Just kill them. <laughs> Am I the only one who prays that sometimes? <laughs> and then I have to forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> Praying the prayer, I'm praying, Lord. How long are you going to let that mess happen? And then the Lord starts speaking to me. Well, I, I've let you go this far. How messed up in my prayer? I'm not even really sure what to say. I'm not even sure what to say. That's why He gave us a prayer, and He started this way. Just declare me a Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be Thy name. I declare you, Lord. Because I'm not really sure what to say. But I know who he is. And that's enough. So when you're in trouble and you're low and things are down, you ought to walk around and say, you are good. You are a good God. You are a holy God. You're a righteous God. You're a saving Savior. You're a righteous, holy, omnipotent, omniscient God. of your life how long are you going to wait until you call out on God how long are you going to wait for the show the show's going to be over soon but if you'll just stand up and say you are the God Yahweh Jehovah Jesus I was a little concerned when the last song was being sung 
that I wouldn't get through this sermon because you are already ahead of me. So I feel, I feel like I'm in the right place. I guess it had to be this way because if you'd have been dead and dry and did nothing, I'd have been out on a limb by myself today, but you've already exercised it. I know you already have it, but for anybody who has not joined us yet, if you're at home, you just clap your hands and say you are a holy and I serve you and I magnify you who is the God. He can answer by fire if he wants to, but you don't have to do it for me, Lord. You are a great savior. I want to stand and proclaim you. Yo, savior, savior. Beautiful Savior. Jesus comes to the house of Simon and the Pharisees have convened there. They are the religious stalwarts of the day. Uh, They're the ones who know the scripture. They teach, read it. They talk about it. But they treated Jesus as just another offshoot of their own religion. They're formal, but they're without depth. It's just another moment of rehearsing what they think they know, they don't know. But a woman comes in to the meeting where they're eating and she cries. And she bends down, her tears fall at the Lord's feet. And with her hair, she's drying them. And then she takes an alabaster box and she breaks the box of precious ointment and she anoints him. And instead of feeling the moment of repentance and the men grateful for repentance because they know who she is. Instead of rejoicing at repentance, they scoff at the sight. And they sit back and they murmur. And Jesus had to intervene on behalf of the sinner. Think of that. He had to make a case for someone to repent. And to that, Jesus said to Simon, I got a little story for you. There's this man, he was a creditor. He had two debtors. One owed 500, the other owed 50. And when they didn't have anything to pay, that creditor forgave both of them. Tell me, which of them love him the most? Here's verse 47. Here's what I say to you. Her sins, they're many, but they're forgiven. And because she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And I almost can always tell you who has grown up in church and they think they're all good and they look around at everybody else. Little minds talk about people. Great minds talk about God. I'm just kind of using that from another. Complainers, complainers talk about the size of the problem. And every church has complainers. 
if you're a complainer and a gossiper, we've seen you. We've seen your kind. You got a new name, new face. You're the same spirit that I saw a long time ago. I grew up with people just like you. If you're a complainer and a gossiper, I already know who you are. You're not incognito. We know exactly who you are. I'm not talking to you because I know what you're going to do. You're going to pick apart everything and someone's going to come and repent and someone's got to make a case. This is why we do it. Complainers talk about the size of the problem, but the faithful talk about the size of our God. So if you find me, you ought to find me with a word in my mouth. You ought to find me. I may not have the answer, but I know who does. His name is Jesus. Grateful, thankful, praising. His name is Jesus. I was preaching a little while back here, last couple months. I was on the front row. They said, would you like to sit on the platform? I said, no. If it's okay, I'd like to sit on the front row. You may be seated for a moment. Don't get comfortable. Do not get comfortable. This is a spirit-filled church. The Holy Ghost started to flow, and I began to speak in tongues in the front row, just like many of you, like, like all of us do. And I turned to see the crowd, and man, people were praying. But off to the side, there were some religious professionals, professional Pentecostals. <laughs> they gave the golf clap. They did not speak or sing. They did not participate. They answered not a word. They came to see what the sermon would be. They came to see if I could indeed call fire down from heaven. So yes, indeed, I built an altar and put a sacrifice on it. And the only thing they did was help pour water on it. (laughs) Because some participate by other means. They'll just pour water on everything. Well, I don't know if I agree with all that. And that just seems like a bunch of hype. Oh, really? Let me tell you about a day when there were great walls built. And they didn't know how to overcome the walls. But the Bible says that God spoke to Joshua and said, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to tear down these walls. You're going to march and going to be quiet. But on the last day, on the seventh time, on the seventh day, I want you to do something incredible. Not organization, not get your brains together, not get all your talent together. All I want you to do is let out a shout. And when you let something out of your mouth and you give the word, I'll bring the walls down. You don't have to understand it. All you got to do is walk and march and shout and things are going to come down. I don't know who you are here today, but I'd like for you to make yourself known, and I'm going to pull it from Psalm 107 and 2. Are you ready? Psalm 107 and 2. Let me know who you are. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's time for the church to repeat, he is the God of all gods.
There's some walls that got to come down. There's some walls that got to come down. I'm inviting you right now just to be the apostolic Pentecostal powerhouse redeemed of the Lord. I'm inviting you to tear down the walls. You got to open up your mouth and say something. Just give me a rumble. Hurry, give me a rumble. I don't know how it's going to happen, Lord, but I'm going to speak it out of my mouth. I've got an answer for you. You are God. You are the Savior. A rumble. A rumble. stronghold let loose I pray in Jesus name let loose I pray in Jesus name yes yes Jesus Hey, listen, the Lord has not forgotten you. He knows knows exactly where you are. And if you feel like you're in a little bit of a drought and it's dry, I can tell you how to change that. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Something got a hold of me. Something got a hold of me. Jesus, great healer, great deliverer, restorer of my soul, magnificent God, I've come to declare you. I don't even really know how to say it, Lord, except I just want to say something about you. I want to tell you about my problems and my issues and the things that I'm, I'm, I'm battling with, Lord. But I don't really know how to put it into words. So I'm just going to talk about you, Lord, and how good you are. 
you healed the leper and the blind and the, and the deaf the deaf was hearing and the lame were walking and Lazarus came out of the tomb Lord you have all the power and you spoke things into existence that were not there Abraham believed in a God that called those things which be not as though they were and Lord you could do anything Lord because you are the God of all gods and there is no other God I don't I don't have another God and you said is there a God beside me I know not any I know that you're Lord I know that there's one Lord I believe there's one faith and one baptism I know that you have given him a name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue will confess that you are God that you are Jesus that you are Lord and giving glory to God and the Father by him One of my friends said, I see that you're, you, you and your church are building a new sanctuary. And then he said, now when do you think you'll start kind of expanding so that, so that you'll be ready to get into that building? And he said, now, will it be next year? And I think I knew what he was talking about, but I got convicted right then and I thought, no, 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 no. No, I, well, we're going to start. We're going to be starting this Sunday. This this Sunday we're going to be starting. And then my brain kind of clicked in, you know, that pragmatic side of me, kind of systematically trying to go through. Okay, we're going to organize and do this. No, and then and then I got convicted about that too. I'm convicted almost every day. How how are you guys doing? I talk to the Lord every time I talk to the Lord. I'm convicted. I'm always saying the wrong thing. At least God's the only one that hears it. And sometimes Tammy. I can't distinguish who's who, so I just kind of, well, okay, no, no, I'm not going to think about this, I'm just going to pray, and I'll I'll tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to declare the Lord, let's start filling up, don't you, do you think that there's not another thousand people that need to be saved, are you telling me there's not another thousand, or two thousand, really? Wait, are you willing to reach somebody with the gospel? Wait, they're not going to look like you. They're not going to look like you. They're not going to talk like you. They're not going to have it all together. But guess what? They need Jesus all the same. These waters of baptism are not for the good people. They're for all the people that are sinners and need to be saved by the water of baptism, just like Peter said it. Now I'm going to address a foul spirit right now. I'm going to address this foul spirit. that proclaims that they don't like a big church. Well, first of all, you wouldn't have belonged on the day of Pentecost because 3,000 of them were saved in one day. And secondly, pray to God that the small church does not have revival. Let's pray they don't have revival because all the people who want to go to the small church, they better make sure they baptize nobody. Otherwise, they'll grow. I think it's the will of God for every church to double and triple and have a mass revival. There's 63,000 people in this city. We can have multiple churches of 10,000. I'll tell you what that spirit is. That's a spirit of pride. That's a spirit of selfishness. 
That's selfish. That's not of God. He wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That means he wants this entire city. He wants Brazil. He wants Vigo County and Clay County and Sullivan County. And he wants everybody on that side and that side, that side. Okay, young men, you might end up marrying a young lady from the people that are among the congregation. But you might end up marrying someone you have not met yet, but they're on their way. We might hear a preacher in a few years from now that we don't even know existed, but they're either sitting, standing in this service right now, or they're on their way. But this is what I know. I know that there are big walls all around. There's always been walls in this in this vicinity. I don't know why. There's always been walls. And we tear down one and another comes up. Tear down one another comes up. I'm so tired of that. I don't want to even pray a specific prayer. But I do know today we're going to start building the new sanctuary with people. We're going to put people in the new sanctuary right now today. Because we're going to give out a shout. We're going to give out a praise. We're going to give out our worship. And something's going to come down. And God is going to add to the church. So for about 60 seconds, I want you to let out a shout for your family and your friends and your backslidden children and your neighbors.